Welcome to the fourth Amazing Third. Race Canada. What? Third. No, we did preview then episode one, then two, then three. Yeah, but it's not it's not really. This cool. is the fourth, Michael. Welcome. Welcome to the fourth Amazing Race Canada season five podcast. I am Logan Saunders, and joining me is the guy who enjoys watching two girls throw one cup every night before he goes to sleep, Michael Harmstone. That's quite a good one for you, actually. I'm proud of you. <laughs> it was originally four girls throw one cup, considering what happens by the end of the detour, but uh, I thought two girls throw one cup was good enough. Yeah, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm quite impressed, because I would have never done that one for you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what a week we've had. I would say this episode was a mess. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of footnotes. Yeah, mess is a great way to describe it, because, like, literally as I was about to watch the episode at work on Wednesday, I got a comment on last week's podcast saying, oh my god, I can't believe all three Express Passes are gone. I'm like, what? Already? Wow, these people move fast. It explains why they never said the expiry date in the second episode when they were handed out, because that expiry date was definitely not necessary this season. And I think, given that we are two of the biggest critics of the Express Pass, I think we're going to be having quite a long conversation about how pointless the Express Pass is. Yes, and we do have to concede, though, that for the first time since the first season of Amazing Race Australia, in about what, 20 seasons that have aired since then on TV between all the international versions, that yes, the Express Pass did make an impact on the outcome of the leg. Unfortunately. In the worst way possible. I mean, let's be abundantly clear, it would have been utterly, utterly hilarious if this was a non-elimination, and then Megan and Courtney still continued with an Express Pass. Uh, which was supposed to happen. Like, they've never delayed a non-elimination leg this long since they had the 12 team season. I was actually shocked that we didn't have a non elimination this week. It's like they couldn't afford all the teams to travel overseas. <laughs> the even better thing is, next week's leg is literally sponsored by Cinerama, who do all the tours to Asia. Which there were so many commercials for this week. Oh my god. <laughs> There's a shock given that they're, by the sound of things, completely paying for the next leg. Yes, they definitely are. And there's even a tour tour group task in the preview. What the hell? <laughs> um, so I thought we'd switch up the format this week. Again. And I thought we would start with the listener questions since we completely forgot about them last week. I prefer the word ignored them rather than... Ignore, forgot. yes. Yeah. But we were, I'm, I'm the polite Canadian, so I say we forgot. What were our listener questions anyway? Were, was, it, was there anything good this week? So you switch up the format to, to to say, we're going to do the list of questions first and then, you know, don't actually pay attention to them. Exactly. Uh, let me have a look. Um, Jerry says, how many times does a team finish first in one leg but were eliminated in the next? Just overall, like a bulk count of all 40 plus seasons we've watched. Even the Ukrainian version. Especially the Ukrainian version. It's happened a lot more lately, that's for sure. Amazing Race Asia had it happen four times. Amazing Race Asia 5, that is. Season 29, well, Liz and Michael was like four times. <laughs> four times just in one season. Liz. Liz. 
Why can't we have some middle ground? On that subject, um, your your mic impression was the topic of conversation between me, Scott, and Brooke last week, and they both very much approve of it. They do, eh? Yes. <laughs> I thought I'd let you know that at least one Amazing Race 29 team does actually like that impression. <laughs> Anything else that came out about me while you were visiting them? Uh, none that I can repeat. I see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, I had an interesting weekend with the winners of Amazing Race 29. You spent two days with them? Well, I spent most of Sunday and then uh, have been talking to them basically every day since. I see. Especially given that I basically gave Scott his not according to plan for the next podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kurt said, if we were in Express Pass from this leg of the race, which one would we want to be? Not the one in Ken and Ryan, Kenneth and Ryan's pocket. No, my my answer would, of course, be the, the one in Courtney and Megan's pocket, because we wouldn't be in the race. Oh, that's a good one. And there's also, we should note, there's probably mustard and ketchup stains on that express pass, too, from the burgers that they were eating when they received the express pass. And, yeah, that's about all the good questions, I think, for this week. Oh, yeah, everything else is just fucking terrible. Yeah. Well done, fans. You did terribly. <laughs> yes. Better luck next week, guys. Yeah. Must try harder. Must try harder, yes. Smarter, not harder. <laughs> Smarter and harder. Tagline of this podcast, that, isn't it? No, I thought Four Girls, One Cup is the title of our podcast. So previously, Kenneth and Ryan quote-unquote dominated the task by finding all three express passes in a challenge where being ahead highly increased your odds of finding the express passes. Then they used it as currency after being schooled at math, even though they could have just worked with another team to complete the task, I'm sure. Megan and Courtney flexed their mental cheesecake muscles. And then Corey and Ivana outran Dan and Rhea. And apparently they're playing for Chevy's True North edition. And that's all I got from the previous week. And then teams find out that they're going from the gateway to the north to the gateway of the of the Kootenays. And Kenneth and Ryan are their typical understated selves when they find out they're going back to BC. Oh my god. <laughs> we know that place. <laughs> it's our home. I have friends from there. So, there's so few locations left in Canada to go to that teams are stuck going back to BC and head to Castlegar, the hidden gem, one of the hidden gem of the mountain of the mountainous playgrounds in BC. They're really trying to oversell Castlegar, is all I'm saying. <laughs> and did you know that the um, the flight to, uh, to Castlegar was actually a 150 challenge? Yeah, you had to get on the plane and, like, you know, find your seat and stay in your seat for the duration of the flight. You probably found an express pass underneath your seat, knowing this season, and then just remain in your seat for the entire duration of the flight and then land. And that's a big 150 challenge. You know, it really demonstrates the hashtag We the North vibe of Canada's 150th. Yeah. I mean, it is the most traditionally Canadian t- task they've ever done. I know. Um, and we get departure times for every team this week for you, Michael. I know. It's like they actually listen to our podcast for once. The one, the, we get that one freebie each year, and you just get a departure time. You should have You should have wished for a bit more in the last podcast. Yeah, the thing is, we know full well how many international legs they're doing this season, so it would have been wasted effort to to waste my my one wish on them actually travelling. And 
I don't know about you, but if I had $250, I wouldn't be wasting it in Nelson and Castlegar. No. What do they actually have to pay for? Just the cab ride back from Fort McMurray? I could see it being that expensive. Yeah, it's an electric car, so officially they wouldn't have to spend any money on petrol. So there's nothing else that they would have to spend it on, I don't think. BMO just wanted to throw the Mad Cheddar around. BMO are known as the Big Cheeses. The Big Cheeses of Cheeses. So it's Megan and Courtney leaving at 11.43, Andrew and Ebony at 11.49, Sam and Paul at 11.53, Kevin and Bert at 12.28, Kevin and Ryan at 12.29, Zed and Shabir at 12.56, Adam and Andrea at 12.58, and Corey and Ivana at 1.31. I should note that when Andrew and Ebony opened up their clue... They said they were going to move on up to first, and that it was all about girl power of the slag. Which is not the way it's going to play out by the end of the episode. Yeah, neither of those things happen. Not even close. It's a p- Andrew and Ebony, we'll get to them later, but another huge break for them this season, I would say. <laughs> and continuing the theme of the season, Sam and Paul say that they're threatened by Kevin and Ryan. It really is turning into a Nick and Matt versus Gino and Jesse 2.0 all over again, which is one of the last things I would want to see. It's one of the last things anyone would want to see. (laughs) So true. Given that the legacy of Amazing Race Canada 3 is fantastic cast ruined by the boot order. Yep. Ruined. (laughs) There is no other word for it. When you have a season with stars like Nick and Sabrina and Brian and Cynthia... And then you end up with that final three. It's It's been two years and I'm still getting over it, to be honest with you. And then the final task is a frigging ski jump. If they do that again this time, God knows how Kevin and Ryan will react. They'd probably jizz themselves for a long, long time. And that would be a horrible television. <laughs> Giver! <laughs> oh. <laughs> So that's what Giver is to them. <laughs> oh, we get four girls, one cup, and and Giver porn. This is fantastic. I think you'll find it's Jizzer, anyway. <laughs> Jizz- Jizzer. <laughs> Just Jizzer lives. Oh. And we're earning that explicit rating on iTunes this week. Going once, going twice, sold. <laughs> It's genuine Skeletor jizz. <laughs> that was a gold medal performance. <laughs> you can stand on top of my podium, guys. Do you want to chug a pitcher of beer? Chug it. Chug it, giver. So yeah, once teams land in Castlegar, they have to drive themselves to Zuckerberg Island, which, fun fact, is actually um, now owned by Mark Zuckerberg, and um, search for the next clue. And because teams have, because this season is appealing to millennials, teams have to like and share Zuckerberg Island before they can receive their next clue. And as a special sponsored treat, we also get a product placement task of driving efficiently. One of many sponsored tasks this episode. In fact, one of four, and that's not even including the touring China advertisements that will be spread all throughout this episode. Yeah, because pe- watching people drive slowly is definitely good television. It's all about the efficiency, man. We've got 45 minutes of airtime. Let's spend it all on Chevrolet. Let's spend it all on Selkirk College. Let's spend it all on a roastery. And let's all spend it on um, 
There was one more. What was the other one? Woods. Woods Tent. Yes. Yeah. Ties for Life provided by Canadian Tire. <laughs> so, yes. The tenting and... Oh, man. It was, it was a bit too much for advertisement time when there was a lot for production to cover this episode when there's four tasks total. Yeah. Plus, they have to explain the whole Express Past... They had to cram the entire Express Past storyline all into one episode. In fact, I think half the confessionals were about the Express Passes. Yeah, I just don't get the point of having the Express Passes in the season when they're going to be gone by leg three. just doesn't make sense. And it just made this episode a complete mess overall. Like, yeah, I guess it's suspenseful in a way because we get the first exciting Express Pass episode in almost six years. <laughs> six years and 20 seasons later. But this was just... That's this is this finally uh, it could confirm that three express passes. If you are going to have an express pass, it was definitely at least one too many, if not two too many. And if you are like the other international seasons now, it's three too many. Yeah, especially on the day when it's officially announced Big Brother Canada has been revived. Yeah, you've got to look towards the other Canadian franchises and go, Tark, you're not pulling your weight. No. I love a lot about you. The casting does tend to be very good. Monty's awesome. But the rest of it is pretty bad. We did get an exciting scene of a team receiving an ex- express pass while eating fast food. Yeah, I like the fact that they deliberately chose the most inconvenient visual possible. <laughs> it's like, you know what's really, really attractive to have permanently on television to remind me of my time on Amazing Race Canada? It's me eating a burger. And I love how even after Megan and Courtney get the express pass, we still have to watch the meet for like an, like five seconds too long. <laughs> when she chows into the next, it wasn't even a burger. It seemed like a like some sort of like waffle sandwich that she was biting into. It's probably breakfast. Yes, an authentic Albertan breakfast. Yeah, the grease is actually oil grease. Eaten at three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> yes, they're so much more relaxed in Alberta. We can get our cheesecake. Give her, guys. Give her into that burger. <laughs> Get that lettuce. What do you think's in the special sauce? Jesus. And then uh, Megan and Courtney say, What? Are they idiots? You would never give the express pass to the team that was in first place the day before. <laughs> Which is 100% correct. It's yes. almost like Kevin and Ryan have never seen the show before. Hmm... I like how Sam and Paul were begging for the express pass, which begging. I mean, I went to, I couldn't care less about getting an express pass, and how Ryan is like, we have our own brilliant strategy in play. We're going to give it to the team that just kicked everyone's ass in the last leg, and is probably the mentally the the strongest of any team mentally on this season. Way to go, guys! Good job. You only need like three more lucky breaks by the end of this episode to avoid being eliminated. Oh, we were so close to seeing Kevin and Ryan be our third boots. So close. Instead, we get our second, probably two, two of my top three favorite teams going into the season are, have, have already gone home. And the third team was pretty much going to go home by default by the end of episode two. So once teams get to Zuckerberg Island, they have to do another product placement task and search the island for nine campsites, each with one difference from an example tent. Once they identify the nine changes, they get the next clue. From Camper James. James's changes. 
And there was a one of the tents was called Camp Bald Eagle, which I think is an insensitive remark to make about Shabir. Yeah, and it's just another excuse for them to play the Eagle Screech that they love peppering the episodes with. Yes, and we get Zed and Shabir's... uh, We get the sweetest mustache picture of Shabir, I must say. It almost beats Lee's mustache from Survivor New Zealand. Almost. Skin beneath Shabir's nose after shaving that mustache is probably as icy cold as the waters of the Kootenays. Almost. Almost. And, of course, Kenneth and Ryan confuse Outside In versus Inside Out, which is a song by Canadian band Eve Six. And Andrea's a graphic designer and pretty much cracks the task. Yeah. If nothing else, this episode is a bit of a tour de force for Adam and Andrea, apart from the whole, you know, navigation thing. Yeah, it's like, how blatant is this winner's edit going to be for Adam and Andrea? If Adam and Andrea are going to get taken out, it will be by navigation and nothing else. Because they are very good at the tasks, as we've proven in the past two episodes. All three episodes. Yeah, especially the last two, though, because we had Andrea being by far the quickest at the the high ropes course last week. And we had, there was basically no task that they didn't do the quickest this week. Yeah, except maybe the swimming. But that is an utterly pointless task that we'll get to very soon. I actually really don't have any notes really on this task except for Adam and Andrea. And Andrea and Ebony form the loosest uh, PLQ alliance ever. And Ivana hates camping as well. Yes. She'd rather be in hotels. Well, understandable. And yeah, I really have no other notes about this task. (laughs) Not even about Shabir thinking that a bench is a tent. I didn't even catch that. It's when they were on the way to the first um, the first tent from a distance. Shabir thought that a bench was a tent. He was like, no, that's a that's a bench. That's a tractor. That's a nose. Maybe he just needs stronger prescriptions in the glasses that he wears. It's the beard leading the bald and the blind. So yeah, once teams get their clue, uh, they have to find Oso Negro Coffee to find their next clue. And it's Adam and Andrea leaving in first, with Andrea and Ebony leaving in second. Why do Andrew and Ebony always have to shout out their hometown after each clue? Because it's their identity. They are the Montreal team. Yeah. This Quebecois alliance. I don't know about this new Bloc Quebecois. And yeah, like if I'm on the Amazing Race can, I'm not going to be like, Vernon, represent after completing a detour or a roadblock or whatever task I complete. Assuming that you don't get eliminated at the start line because you know that's your destiny. <laughs> And then Zed and Shabir get into another alliance again by aligning with Corey and Ivana. And that's a, an alliance I can kind of get behind. Kind of. This is Amazing Race Canada 5 standard, so this alliance gets inflated a little bit. I'm still smarting at Corey and Ivana comparing themselves to that in the bio, but... <laughs> yeah. The Gino and Jesse wannabes is a nickname you never want to earn. <laughs> yeah, I think we know who our Gino and Jesse wannabes is this season, though. And then, of course, after just one task in Castlegar, it is time to go to the city of Nelson, which I've been to before. It's only known for a ton of outdoor sports, especially during the winter time, and filming a Steve Martin, William Shakespeare uh, film adaptation. And the city of Nelson welcomes you. It welcomes all of us. It welcomes the rest of Canada. But it never well really welcomes the world. And it's just Nelson. I'll, I wish the the sign for Nelson was just, ha ha, you're in Nelson. Which is something Kenneth and Ryan probably experience. And Megan and Courtney do leave in fifth and help Kevin and Ryan for some reason. 
Yeah, I don't know why they why they did that. An alliance you never want to have is the Express Pass Alliance. Yeah, they gave you the Express Pass. You can now tell them to fuck off. Yes. That should even be written in the Express Pass clue, like, caution, Kenneth and Ryan, fuck off ahead. Maybe they thought that there was a U-turn ahead, and if they screw over Kevin and Ryan, that they'll probably get U-turned. Yeah. Unless the other task involves, involves cheesecake, then they just U-turn themselves. Let's be perfectly honest. Kevin and Ryan are the archetype who will get to the U-turn first every week, so... Yeah, wasn't it terrible when that would happen with Gino and Jesse? Yes. It's terrible that Gino and Jesse survived one like never mind twelve. <laughs> and Andrew and Ebony, when they get to the roastery task, decide to be really covert. Remember, the two official languages of Canada are English and French. Even though I don't really speak much French, I can definitely write in French... And I took it all the way through grade 12, as most people do in school, unless they go into the sciences and then they just find a way out. But Andrew and Ebony decide to pull out the sneaky French uh, speaking strategy, and the words they speak in in French are sank and un, which is like the numbers five and one. Those were the only two French words uttered on camera. I don't know about you, but even with somebody who has the who has the lowest level of understanding of French, is going to be able to pick out those two words. I mean, anything beyond 10, and you might be able to get away with a little bit, but when it's just the numbers 1 and 5 in French, I think the other teams are going to know what you're talking about. Just get a little hunch. Yeah. And um, it's Kevin and Ryan who leave in 6th, with Sam and Paul in 7th, and then uh, Karen and Bert in last. Ah! So frustrated. I think that might have to be the banner this week. <laughs> so over the top. And then, you know when it's going to get back from commercial break that they're just going to figure it out right away? And sure enough, that's exactly what happens. And you know how much I love talking about the about the press pictures. The press pictures were actually screen grabs from the episode this week. They weren't even professionally done. Yeah. They were that low res that they were actually screen quality with the hashtag on it and everything. So it... It had literally been taken from the episode rather than, you know, the high-quality versions they normally have. So I don't know what the story is there. (laughs) And Zed and Shabir are so wiped from the roastery task where teams have to deliver two orders of coffee to two different random places in the super confusing streets of Nelson, B.C., running amongst the up and down the hills uh, to get their next clue. And the guy working at one of the coffee shops looks like a complete stoner, which very much fits into Nelson culture from the time I was there. Granted, Vernon's also very stonerish, but Nelson much more so. Yeah, I was going to say, it's BC. What do you expect? We're, we're too laid back for Corey. Corey is not a stoner. You have to be a stoner now to be a champion later, but that's not the case in Corey's eyes. Given that basically the reputation you've given me of BC is that it's full of potheads. Yes. Which is which is very fitting, considering that's one of the tasks coming up. Also, while I remember, I did have to explain to someone at work why the Amazing Race 28 cast hates us. Oh yeah? That was a fun story to tell, I'm sure. Yeah, because we were discussing um, the podcast, and he said, have you ever seen a television program called The Amazing Race? I'm like, yes, that's the main show that I cover. Um, he said, I, I watched um, the one with Bernie and Ashley in it. I'm like, yeah, they were really nice. The rest of their cast didn't like us. (laughs) 
So when are you getting your Big Brother Canada 6 application in? Whenever it gets posted, I guess. <laughs> are you going to apply for it then? Yeah. Even though it's going to be probably Day of the Dead themed or something. Most likely. <laughs> That'd be awesome, actually. That'd be a great theming. Uh, at least I know it's not going to involve returning players after how well that went over last season. You never know. <laughs> it is Canada. Yes. Okay, so back to uh, back to this episode, and hopefully we get done before midnight for me. So let's see. We get Shabir. Shabir eases the tension off of his hamstrings by running backwards. Um, let's see. Yeah, the roastery test. Not not a very exciting one either for a TV, I would say. Um, yeah, we actually don't get a whole lot of other material from that task. And then we get to the roadblock immediately with uh, Zed and Shabir, where it's one of the more creative roadblock hints of who wants to hang out with Bob. Bob is not one of the extras or one of the camera operators. Bob refers to the big orange bridge and Nelson. And the correct answer to that is, of course, Scott Flannery, who wanted to hang with Bob Harper. Yes. <laughs> if you ever wanted to see the difference between the Amazing Race 28 cast and the Amazing Race 29 cast, just look at the, the reactions to the preview. Because everyone from 28 got a bit pissy with us. Scott, after we compared him to Bob Harper, sent a picture of himself with Bob Harper. It's amazing just how how many similar traits him and Bob Harper both have. It's ridiculous. Scott really probably wants to swing with Bob Harper, is my guess. <laughs> oh, I, I had so much fun with them on Sunday. <laughs> probably at my expense. <laughs> Brooke didn't believe that uh, none of our conversations would end up on, on the podcast if she didn't want them to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm not telling you anything because it'll end up on the podcast. I'm like, you do realise that I edit the podcast. We discuss these things and then it never makes it to air. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> I'm not that much of a dick. Yeah. I say that much because obviously I am, but... <laughs> yes, it's a disclaimer. And then Kenneth and Ryan, of course, were another grab at camera time. After they're done with the... Near near finished with the roastery task, they both pretty much try to hit on this poor woman at one of the coffee shops with a double kiss to match the triple express pass. So, yeah, and then, of course, they follow that up by talking about their glutes, because, of course, you know the season is complete ass when Kenneth and Ryan talk about their glutes. Um, and, then of course, we have to hear all the teams panting. Uh, there's a panting montage for, for this task, which is lovely stuff for everyone to hear. Makes you wonder if this season should have had the 10 o'clock time slot, much like the American version did. <laughs> And we get another eagle screech with uh, Karen and Bert. And, of course, Karen and Bert shoot up to first place by skipping the roastery task, if I'm not mistaken. They're like, what, from last to first just like that? It's like, yeah, that's because the express pass is a really dumb twist. And you, you just get rewarded, essentially, for doing nothing just because Kenneth and Ryan, you know, briefly bribed you and suddenly you get to skip a roastery task. And, yeah, who knew Bert would be... Uh, would be afraid of both the uh, heights and water. I know what my dad would say, and you know what? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say what he said. What a tease! I'm sure people can fill in the blanks knowing my dad's sense of humor. <laughs> um, and then he does the damn thing and does the pendulum swing. And then now Zed's nickname is now Zeddy, according to Shabir. So yeah, this roadblock was one of the most pointless they've ever done. 
The swim wasn't even that far. I would have liked to see teams get a bit more exhausted with that swim. Like, I wanted to see real rubber legs happening. I know we've previously discussed my sort of dislike of falling, and I would have been fine with that, to be honest. It was jump off a platform, wait till it goes vertical, and then drop into the water. And it seems like teams could only go one at a time anyway, so it's not like somebody could gain up on the team ahead of them. You had to wait until your partner pulled you into the boardwalk there, or in Andrew and Ebony's case, you just blatantly dragged them onto the boardwalk as if they're a dead body. And also the swing was not nearly long enough because basically everyone was grazing the water already. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, it wasn't that it wasn't a it wasn't like some of the drops and height related tasks we saw in season twenty nine. And we had the the sort of danger of people cracking their heads. <laughs> on the subject of Amazing Race 29 again, sorry. You might have seen the picture of me, Brooke, and Scott on the London Eye. Mm-hmm. And Brooke said to Scott, does this not scare you? Because we're going way higher than your bungee jump. He's like, it's in closed spaces, it's fine. I just mm-hmm. turned around and went, damn it, I really wanted some new intro music. <laughs> That's great. And just got a painted Scott eye roll. <laughs> I think I told this this story on the group chat, but when we were going on to the London Eye, um, as we were queuing up, Brooke said, I'm going to ask the, the guy if we can have our own pod. So when we got to the guy checking the tickets, she said, and how do we get, get my own pod? And he said, you'll have to have a lot of money to do that. So I, I turned around and uh, and said, well, they did win a million dollars between them. And just, just got sort of a chorus of, don't tell people that. Yeah. <laughs> Not in the middle of London, you don't tell people that. I just thought I'd try and cause trouble. My default state of mind. And then we get to a detour already, which is Throw It or Strike It, which takes place at the almighty Salkirk College. Yeah. Given how pointless the roadblock is, I'll just tell you who did it. It was Bert, Zed, Andrea, Sam, Ivana, Ryan, Andrea, and Megan doing the roadblock. Oh, yes. Um, Mon, the best part of the detour, really, was just Monty trying out each one. Where I believe when he did the clay task, he said... Woohoohoo! Messy balls of clay. <laughs> and then we get a good old metal smelting. It's very it's very fitting that the one side of the detour involved making uh, uh, coat hanger hooks because this really is an abortion of a season. Oh, Logan! <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go with that production do actually have to realise that this is a television programme. <laughs> And that watching people play Spot the Difference, jump off a piss-poor swing, run around some rando town in BC, and then do either metalwork or pottery, not great television. At a community college. Yeah. I should note that I will give them the big orange bridge jump, though, because that was something that's directly tied into uh, Nelson. But all of the other tasks could have been done anywhere in the world. That's probably been one of my biggest complaints with this season after the first three episodes, is that, is that other than Kenneth and Ryan, which is probably my number one complaint, my number two complaint is that all the tasks, you know, that's the big thing with, like, the American version or the Asian version, is that wherever, whichever location they are, they find tasks that tie into where they are because that's what mem- makes it memorable for the viewer to mention it online and in years to come. But if you notice, over the past four years, there's very few times where people, especially the past couple years, 
where teams will be like, oh, yeah, in this episode, they did those tasks and stuff. Like, if you review the two Ontario episodes from last season, I couldn't tell you which tasks belong to the Kingston leg and which tasks belong to the Hamilton leg. The Voldemort Cellini bill, like you mean? Yes. Like, because it's just all, it's just stuff that can be done anywhere, especially when it was just like paddling and doing that three part little tiny adventure thing that they did. And I mean, the first season, they did a bit better with tying the tasks into the location because they made it very distinct for each province and went to the most memorable spots in all of Canada. Like the Caluate leg, I could tell you all the tasks they did there. And I'm not even that big of a fan of season one. And then season two, they still did a reasonably good job of it. But now that they're running out of locations within Canada and finding cool landmarks to see, now we're getting all these tasks that could just that are very generalized that can be done anywhere. And that's why you don't see it like you don't see people talking about stuff they did in season four or season three specifically. It's always like, oh, I remember that time in the season 27 of the American version when they did this in that country because the location reinforces the tasks that they do. But these first three episodes, there's only been like one or two tasks that I could say, yes, that's Nelson or yes, that's Vancouver or uh, yes, that's Fort Mac. Everything else is just very general stuff that you would find in like an urban race course or something that doesn't make it to that amazing race level. Even the big orange bridge task, though, I mean, yeah, it's to do with the location, but also it's not a very good task. It's literally being a pendulum and dropping. It can't take you more than about two minutes. Yes, but compared to the other tasks we've seen this season... Yeah. I mean, at least they tried a little bit to... It was the only non-sponsored task for this whole episode, so that's why, by default, that's pretty much the best best tasks they did in my eyes. Like, I know that the lot of sponsors is the only reason why Amazing Race Canada gets to stay on air. But this week, when you throw four sponsors in four tasks, that's a bit much. Yeah. Like, I know we're both kind of a little over this season. <laughs> and we're a quarter of the... We're just slightly over a quarter of the way in. Yeah. So, bully for us. Eight more episodes. <laughs> it's just... I think... The positives I'm going to probably take out of the season is that it's going to be like a series of lessons for production to learn from of things that they've kind of put off and procrastinated with fixing over the past few years when you don't have, especially when you don't have your strongest cast possible, where it's all the things that they need to refine and retune for uh, season six, which I think they're going to do. I'm really optimistic about it. And if not, then screw them. Yeah, the problem is, if, please God, it gets cancelled, like Big Brother Canada did, we're just going to have fan campaigns because Big Brother Canada's now been revived because of a fan campaign. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to change anything. They're going to do exactly the same stuff over and over and over and over again. Like they have done for the past three seasons. Except for one thing. We haven't seen a dancing task yet. Which is a record for them, I think, to go three episodes without a dancing task. I honestly think that production is now incapable of listening to any complaints, basically. Just because they've seen too many ridiculous complaints over the years that they can't they can't sift through the good complaints for the ridiculous ones. They all sort of uh, blend together. I like a majority of stuff to do with Amazing Race Canada. There's just certain things like their reluctance to go internationally, for example, that really annoy me. And we also get the weakest cliffhanger of any of the commercial breaks this episode, which is if Andrea is going to jump off the pendulum for the roadblock. And she's like, oh, 
I don't know if I really want to do this. And it's the most apathetic, I don't really know if I want to do this, as opposed to somebody genuinely freaking out. And I'm thinking, I don't think a single viewer is like, oh my god, Andrea's going to quit right now and take a four-hour penalty. She does it like in two seconds later after they get back from the commercial break. Yeah, it's a two-minute thing, it's fine. <laughs> and of course, Karen and Bert are at the detour where Bert says, I do music, but not heavy metal. da doom and then Bert asks for Karen's permission to kiss her, which I, I I don't know why he expects to have a kiss turned down, considering they have two kids together. So I think he's going to be okay to get a kiss from Karen. That's that's uh, that's all I'm saying. And of course, right after the kiss, Karen says that it is hot in there, which I'm thinking, man, this is more than I really needed to see for this episode. And yeah, by this point of the episode, we've had four givers already. What was the total for givers this week? Seven. Uh, six, sorry. Six plus the... How many have we had so far? Sixteen? Uh, so it's two last week and fifteen the week before. So seventeen plus six, so twenty-three? Yep. Twenty-three givers in three episodes. That is almost eight per episode. <laughs> does that include Monty's giver? Of course it does. <laughs> Mainly because I'm so disappointed in Monty for you know, leaning into it. Yeah. And the thing, the other thing that makes me think that Kenneth and Ryan must make it pretty much to the end of the season is that when Monty was doing his preseason interviews, the one team he mentioned for one of his extended preseason uh, press interviews, it was just him talking about Kenneth and Ryan the whole time. I think Monty has a crush. I really do. His heart's in the wrong place, unfortunately. Monty, chain your wagon to the good teams like Adam and Andrea, the fun teams. Or the unintentionally, how the heck do they survive this leg team in the form of Andrea and Ebony? Well, the unintentionally, how the hell did they survive this leg team of Kevin and Ryan? Yes. So, of course, because it's Amazing Race Canada, we have to get a shot of a random loon before Andrea jumps for, uh, in the roadblock. And is it just me, or is the coffee roaster guy... Really creepy, the one who gives out the clue. Like he was talking really slow and looking like he was about to murder somebody. Wasn't his name something like Blaze? Yes. Ro- Roaster Blaze. Coffee's not the only thing I roast, boys and girls. Come to this cabin. I promise I won't set it on fire. <laughs> so that's the guy who's been burning up, BC. Damn it. Damn it, Blaze. Yes. Um... Let's see. Apparently, Andrea Andrea is a badass for jumping off the pendulum thing after being a little bit scared. Then the judge for the blacksmith task is a guy who looks really sad and wears a toque with lots of piercings. Welcome to BC. <laughs> I mean, like nobody with self-respect wears a kilt. Yes, and I'm, I'm saying that purely because I know Kurt is going to be listing and you know send me loads of hate mail for that. By the way, Kurt didn't mention us on his podcast. Oh, good, finally. He, he talked about you, about not liking Canada, so he, he uh, found some ridiculous laws that are still in the books in some Canadian provinces and read them on his podcast. Okay, cool. I might actually listen to more than ten seconds of it this time, then. Okay. I'll give you the exact seconds of when he mentions you, so that's the parts you get to listen to. Please do. I only listen to things where, uh, where people mention me. I don't listen to anything else around it. That sounds like an RTV Warriors uh, um, slogan. We only listen to stuff where we're mentioned. Um, let's see. Karen complains about the noise. Corey finds BC too laid back, and Ivana thinks uh, BC is a joke. 
Screw you, Ivana. How dare you insult my province? Only I get to insult my province. You don't see me insulting Sarajevo. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, only because you'd get stabbed. Nah, I might be able to charm my way out of it. I don't think you can. Um, let's see. Megan and Courtney are in seventh. During the roadblock, Megan was six. Was, was Megan the one who did the roadblock? Yeah. Yeah. At one at one point, Courtney mentions that Megan was uh, six feet away from the platform, in which Courtney says, "No, she's really not." And that's because by the end of this episode, instead of being six feet away from the platform, Megan's about to be six feet under when it comes to this season. Um, oh, yeah. When Andrea and Ebony get to the pottery task, they mention that it's like sexy meditating where they find the center. Okay, guys. Another unintentionally hilarious quote from uh, Andrea and Ebony. Keep it up. Adam and Andrea make a terrible wheelhouse pun at the pottery task wheel. And Andrea thinks it's just like riding a bike. Good thing she said it was just like riding a bike and not like uh, playing basketball because somehow Andrea would have hurt her knee in the process of this pottery task. It's just like riding a bike. In other words, Logan can't do it. (laughs) Indeed. Um, I got burned there. I love how there was just the... When Megan and Courtney were trying to do the the strike detour, we just got the random shot of the, the guy in the kilt going, Stop hitting the anvil! Hit the red spot. Um, Megan and Courtney apparently aren't artsy-fartsy. And that's really all I have about that. Then they just switch detours. They do what they do best. They switch detours to, to uh, strike it. And of course they get insulted like you just mentioned. See, I always thought that detours were supposed to be a choice between two tasks each with their own pros and cons rather than two very similar tasks. Because this is one of the most similar pairs of detours we've seen for a while in terms of the skill set. It's both a bit creative. This goes back to like season three with those two South America detours where both detour tasks were memorize these written words or memorize this dance. Two episodes in a row were like that in season three. It's like step up PK Amazing Race Canada. It's not hard. <laughs> and then of course Megan and Kurt Courtney at the Anvil task. It's kind of funny that they get really over the top whiny voices there where Courtney's like, it's so scary. I don't want to get burned. I was I was highly amused by that. Then, of course, the instructor said, like, hit the red stuff. And then... Uh, Megan and Courtney don't listen to our podcast if they don't want to get burned. Um, and then Andrew and Ebony think they have it, but they keep getting rejected. So they're, they were not so zen after their rejection. They actually freak out a bit. And then... Adam and Andrea come out, come up with another way to outwit a detour where they have Andrea do both pots. So instead of two girls, one cup, or four girls, one cup, as we'll see later, here it's one one girl, two cups. So, yeah, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of attention on Andrea, I would say. Um, Zed makes another terrible pottery pun where he talks about it being Harry Pottery. Um, I thought the Harry referred to the, to his beard, but maybe that's just something I picked up on. Then we find out the pit stop. Of course, for anyone who knows anything about the Kootenays, it's where the Kokanee beer is brewed, specifically in the town of Creston that also has the fundamental uh, Latter-day Saints uh, sect slash uh, church located. But they're not going to go all the way out to Creston. Instead, we're going to go to Kokanee Creek, which is a sandy patch of paradise in the middle of fucking nowhere. Did you notice how at the pit start they seem to have been relocated from the golf course? to the middle of the oil field somewhere. 
Yeah, and there's like um, gasoline fluid all around them. And as soon as teams go to start the do the pit start, you know, one, you know, one of the producers just lights a match and says, "Okay, get to the ring of fire, guys." Your first challenge. Canada 150. Rule number 13 of Monty's Fight Club. Jump through the ring of fire before you enter. Stop, drop, and jump. <laughs> we haven't done any Monty's Fight Club this week. Very disappointed in us. Rule number 30. Once the ring of fire is lit, then everyone looks like a Skeletor, just like me. No Skeletors on, 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 uh, in Monty's Fight Club. You, you can't be, you can't, you can't be a Skeletor. Only Skeletors. If there's if there's any skin on you, you know you're 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 out of here. That's just that's just how it works. That's just how it works, boys and girls. Rule fourteen: no skin, no win. <laughs> you have to go fall, Monty, in this ring of fire. It'll be like Khaleesi at the start of Game of Thrones. You know this is a weird podcast. <laughs> we 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 start off with five minutes of masturbation puns. And end with the full Monty. Rule number 29. Strike it hot, boys and girls. Strike it hot. Rule number 15. Only hit the red stuff. <laughs> Not my hair, guys. Not my hair. Not that red stuff. Don't don't touch the gingerness. Just be 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 very gingerly with that anvil. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Zed and Shabir leave in first. And uh, we got to find Kokanee Creek Provisional Park, the pit stop for this leg of the race. The last teams check in may be eliminated. And Corey and Nirvana arrive to the detour and last. They have a they have a major Patrick Swayze ghosting moment. No ghosting, um, but they ghosted anyway. Where Corey says it was a romantic scene. It was like ducks in a forest. They're really pushing the romantic angle for Corey and Nirvana. Yeah, like, ooh, I wonder what's going to happen between them next week. <laughs> oh, man, so juicy. The only way it could have been sort of more romantic is if they would have uh, put Unchained Melody behind it. <laughs> Just slowed it down. Yes. Put some filter on the camera. <laughs> and, yeah, Zed and Shabir checking in first. And after last week's exotic prize to Auckland, Ontario, they get a trip to Chicago. The Spanish pronounce it as... Chicago. Chicago, of course, being the largest city in Quebec. For uh, Zed and Shabir, that is not too shabby of a prize. Yeah, it's a bit of a step down from Auckland, though, isn't it? You get to go to the Windy City, boys, just like my windy home of Winnipeg, Manitoba. (laughs) You get to go to the most corrupt place in the United States. Have fun! Obama was born there. Obama. I thought that was Kenya. Chicago, Kenya. Come on, guys. Come on. There's more than one Chicago in the world, just like how there's more than one uh, London, Ontario. There's also a London, England, in case you guys didn't know. Take a geography lesson, guys. Come on. Come on. I can be a substitute teacher if you really need me to, because I've traveled to so many places, so many places you won't even even believe the places that I have been to. Monty as a substitute teacher would be a good idea. Yes. Guys, let's learn about math. Whoever answers this correctly gets a shot of my new beer. Don't tell your parents or get them to sign this permission slip. Jimmy, where's your permission slip? You cannot have a shot of this. Instead, you get a piece of candy. Only it's ginger candy. It's ginger candy. It's it's no good. I, you know, I, I may have spat in it a couple of times. And second is Corey Nirvana with Adam and Andrea in third. They were so shocked to be third. They thought they were way behind because they were all alone, even though they saw teams at the 
at the pottery detour, so I don't know how they concluded that they were alone. I think it's probably because navigation hasn't been their strong suit, so they assumed that they'd got lost and dropped a few places, probably. Did you hear what Andrea and Ebony said after Adam and Andrea finished the detour? No. Andrea said that she heard tiny voices. Apparently she heard ti- she hears tiny voices when she's really anxious and in trouble. Apparently the tiny voice said that they're going to go home. Well, the tiny voice said, kill them, kill them all. Cleanse it with fire. Cleanse it with fire. Kill them all, Andrea and Ebony. So Monty is the little voice in people's heads. All you gotta do is burn the house down. The most upbeat, murderous uh, little voice in your head. I like fire. Watch it burn, boys and girls. Watch it burn. So anyways, yeah, then this is where we get the long Cinerama advertisement. And then we finally resume back to our regular programming. And we get our fifth giver of the episode as well. Oh, yes. Oh, and when Corey and Ivana check into the pit stop, Corey did his best uh, Tremel and Talisha impression from Amazing Race 3, where he did the whole hopping bit. All he was missing was the fingers pointed at himself. I'm pleasantly surprised that Tremel and Talisha aren't out of the uh, the ring down yet. I'm using my... I'm going to be using my uh, express pass on them. Really? <laughs> Probably not. Because I know exactly which teams I'm using it on. Um... So yeah, Adam and Andrea have a really over-the-top reaction to being in third. Zen and Shabir, when they checked in first, said that they're going to go all the way to the end because they got first on the most physical leg of the season because Shabir survived it. But the thing is, Shabir could just be really exhausted for the remainder of the race. And also, Shabir's not that old. No, he's not. But he likes to be considered to be that old. And Kevin and Ryan get another rejection at strike because it needs to be flatter. Yes. And then Megan and Courtney switch back to throw. Two detour switches. They, If they were ever to go on the Amazing Race can again, I think they know what they're never going to do again. Yeah. The double Michelle, as I like to call it. Yes. And Karen and Bertley strike in fourth, with Sam and Paul in fifth. And then Kevin and Ryan get rejected again. There's absolutely no change in the checking order, so Sam and Paul... I say there's no change. There is change. Sam and Paul checking in fourth, and then Karen and Bert checking in fifth. And they think that they won the leg, because they use the express pass. They, I've never seen a team be so far off about winning a leg. That was four spots away. That's the majority of the other teams they're competing against. And then Kevin and Ryan use their express pass to leave strike in sixth. And then Megan and Courtney leave throw in seventh, with Andrea and Ebony in last. And in the foot race to the finish, Kevin and Ryan checking in sixth, Andrea and Ebony checking in seventh, and Megan and Courtney... Are nowhere to be found. They are nowhere to be found in this foot race. Well, it, it was close because they could hear them whooping and hollering. Yeah, but where did they get passed on the road, though? Like they, Because they were ahead of Andrew and Ebony, and then when they were all three teams were pulling out of the college there, Kenneth and Ryan could see both teams right behind them. Yeah. They must have taken a wrong turn, then. Just one wrong turn. I mean, I guess that's all it really takes if you're close enough to where you can hear the team screaming at the pit stop. Give her! Give her survives! All my dreams have come true. Yeah, Monty is, of course, ecstatic whenever Kevin and Ryan survive. Let's all pelvic thrust. Hip, hip, hurrah. Hip, hip, hurrah. And after you said it couldn't happen last week, uh, Megan and Courtney are eliminated with an express pass. Yeah. So the thing that I always say is with the express pass, if a team gets eliminated with an express pass, I don't treat it as like, oh, they really screwed up. Because it's like, it's a twist that's not really supposed to be there in the first place. The leg is just playing out the way it should. But the thing is, is that 
so many express passes were used this leg from teams who finished near the bottom, even with using them, that it's just ridiculous in this case that now I can hear the argument of people saying, well, they should have used their express pass and, you know, this had an impact on the race because if Kenneth and Ryan and Karen and Burtz did not have their express passes, very good chance, well, Kenneth and Ryan for sure would have been eliminated. Well, would have for sure finished worse than Megan and Courtney did. And then Karen and Burtz may have finished worse than at least Megan and Courtney, if not both teams. So it makes you wonder just, uh, this is why you don't have a triple express pass, because then you lose like most people's favorite team that was left in the race. I think, honestly, I know I've been saying this for years, but this is the point where the Express Pass is officially broken. Like, there is no way they can come back from this with Express Passes. Because it did influence the outcome of the race, which is obviously what they wanted by having 50 bajillion Express Passes this season. And have it all used in the same episode. Yeah, the fact of the matter is, I'm assuming they were not expecting three Express Passes to go out of the game in one leg. And, frankly... Why? Why would you do this to everyone? Because if they would have known the reaction to Kenneth and Ryan, because Kenneth and Ryan, if they do win, will have the most negative public response ever, can I point out. A lot of people are already very, very, very over them. Especially when they have had uh, two two legs in BC. They had a, an express pass task where they it was essentially really easy for them to find all three. And then you know, get to go to their home region of Canada and barely survive because they used the said express pass to uh, survive the leg. It's just a... And plus they win the $5,000 for the most efficient driving in the place that they live in. So, yeah. And I would think with the express passes, like, if you're producers and you love the express pass having an impact on the race, there's no way that you top what happened this episode if you are a fan of the express pass drama. There's no way you can really top this because it's it's so rare for something like this to happen and you're going to spend years and years trying to chase down a moment like this again or a mo- or any moment that people are going to be talking about. Do you think that had they seen the public's reaction to episode one that they would have changed the Triple Express Pass existing? I think they would have. I think they would have as well. I, I think they would have made sure that Team Giver, ugh, that Kevin and Ryan didn't get their grubby little mitts anywhere near them. (laughs) But yeah, so we get an episode where two express passes are used to bail two teams that should have been eliminated than the one team that wanted to play this race somewhat straight up and not go with stupid twists ends up going home. And for all the criticism that I gave them preseason of saying, oh yeah, we want to travel around Canada for Canada's 150, they gave an interview this week where they said that they were really disappointed they didn't get to travel internationally. Which I hope whoever wins this season goes the anti-Gino and Jesse route and advocates the hell out of international travel. Yeah, it's nice to see that. Megan and Courtney have definitely gone up in my estimations, so I'm sad to see them go. Yes, the goofy newbies, and they also had the, you know, the mo- one of the f- funnest personalities of any team this season. I was drawn to them even before the season began. Yeah, I sort of expected them to go out quite early. Yeah, in fact, who did I predict as the first three teams out? Was it Aaron and Deb and Megan and Courtney and Dan and Rhea that I expected to be the first three out? I think you definitely said they were going to be early. I'm not sure if it was 
exactly the first three, but yeah, early. Let me check. I, wanna, I know I have it written down somewhere. Oh yeah, so here we go. Tenth, I predicted to be Megan and Courtney. Ninth, I predicted to be Bert and Karen. Eighth, Ebony and Andrea. Seventh, Aaron and Deb. And then sixth, Dan and Rhea. So, kind of close. The general ball- ballpark. I wouldn't be surprised if the other two teams I mentioned are the next two out. It's disappointing for the season, and I'm sort of over-caring about Amazing Race Canada, as you might have guessed. And we still get eight more podcasts of this, which is fantastic. Yeah. And we're just going to chat shit about everything now. It's fun. <laughs> and prepare yourself for the hatred, because they're going to China. At least it's international travel, so I'm not going to complain about them <laughs> being in China, because it's uh, even though this is their second trip to China, out of their very few international destinations thus far. But the Facebook's going to be awful going, why don't you stay in Canada? It's such a wonderful, beautiful place to live. Because those are the only viewers that still exist for Amazing Race Canada, is that whole crowd because everyone else has given up on it, except for us. Yeah, yours. But yeah, so do you think, Michael, do you think that we're going to see at least one Express Pass next season? Um, In the hands of any other production, I'd say no, but probably going to see about 50 of them next season. Do you think they're going to keep it with three? I think it'll probably be at least two still. Okay. I don't think they're capable of learning from their mistakes. I must say that for years, ever since Jessica and John and Kristen and Darren did not use their express passes, I said it was not it was not going to happen again in any amazing race season because the only reason why it happened twice in a row is because Kristen and Darren didn't get to see the season with Jessica and John messing it up because they were already filming Amazing Race Canada by then. And that's why no one else has even come close to being eliminated with one in their pocket. So I, so I assume that no one is going to do it again. Clearly that's the moments that producers are, have been trying to chase down for years. And the only reason why Megan and Courtney made this quote-unquote blunder is because so many other teams had express passes that it's pretty much close to bound to happen, especially when it's all in the same episode that... Whoever's the team that doesn't use the Express Pass has a very good chance of going home that week. Yeah. And, of course, they get burned because this is the first season since Season 3 where they only had two non-elimination legs due to the supersized number of teams that we don't get a non-elimination in any of the first three legs. Yeah, I'm quite surprised that they didn't do any non-eliminations yet, but this just means that we've got four eliminations to go and seven legs is it that can do it in? Yes. Because it, it, I think I worked it out to where there's going to be three non-elimination legs either in the next five or six episodes. Yay! And I have a feeling that China, or the next leg, I assume it's going to be two international legs back-to-back like they normally do. I wouldn't be surprised if both end up being non-elimination legs where one's a to-be-continued. And then one's like a general, oh, you're saved and you have to do a speed bump the next round. Yeah, if we come back from the China legs with only five teams, I'll be utterly, utterly shocked. Maybe they'll do a final two twist for the finale. At least that season can redeem itself uh, that way by having a twist I've wanted to see play out for uh, close to 15 years now. I doubt it. Or maybe there's going to be four non-elimination legs and we end up with the final four at the end. Don't even joke about it. <laughs> so yeah, is there anything else to say? What's your prediction for next week? Who's going to be saved by a non-elimination? Who's not going to be able to handle international travel, also known as a real leg of the Amazing Race, sponsored by Sinorama? I think it wouldn't be a shock if Andrea and Ebony get saved. That would definitely fit their storyline, I agree. They're sort of bumbling path through. 
Um, Imagine if Kenneth and Ryan finish gets saved by a non-elimination next leg. In fact, there's already the joke on social media this week that they said that production would have changed it to a non-elimination leg if Kenneth and Ryan were the team that checked in last. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. But they kind of had a, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to start doing better from this point forward confessional at the very end. I don't think that they'll deal well with international travel, though, do you? I don't know. They might be one of the teams outgoing enough that would know how to ask for directions in China, because as you know, Michael, not very many people in China speak English compared to other countries. Yeah, my prediction is that there's going to be upwards of 10 givers next week. I think Andrew and Ebony are going to be really overwhelmed with this international travel. Especially as it is Beijing as well, so it's 40 million people who live there. Yes. There is one more thing to say, and that is um, that we're recording this on Friday, so happy birthday, Michelle. Yes, happy birthday, Michelle. And um, it is a certain Canadian's birthday on Sunday as well. Is this like the only year in like four years that we're not podcasting on my birthday? Uh, I don't think we podcasted on your birthday last year. We did go on a run of about three years where we did, but I don't, I don't think we did it last year. Yeah, so yeah, um, yesterday we did like the, for my birthday with my family, we did the ropes course where in uh, Revelstoke, which is much more intense than the ropes course in Fort Mac. My aunt and my cousin came up from the States, and my aunt's uh, great-grandkids came up as well. Um, my sister my and my nephew and a bunch of other cousins and aunts and uncles, we all went out to Revelstoke together. We all got Indian food for dinner. We had some cake. Um, so that was fun. And then on Saturday, I'm going to have the, my birthday with uh, friends where we're all going to be hanging out, out at uh, Cal Beach and then up to whatever shenanigans uh, in the evening. So, yeah. Happy birthday for Sunday. Thank you. I'm sure Alan Wu's card's in the post. Yes. <laughs> we are now Facebook friends. I should have arranged that, really. <laughs> so do you want to uh, sign her off? Yes. So, that's it for this week. I'm Logan Saunders. You can follow me at LogSuperKuwaki on Twitter. And you can follow my buddy Michael Harmstone at MJ Harmstone. And that's it. That's it for episode three. And just chill till the next episode. Yeah. Peace out, Canada. 150.